I just believe that together in community, if we innately are born with a different number, that together in community, we reflect the wholeness of God. Hi, I'm Carrie Korn, a brand new therapist. And I'm Susan Goss, a seasoned therapist. Susan has been my mentor for years. And we love talking about therapy, faith, and relationships. So join us as we share some tangible truths with you. So welcome back to another episode of Tangible Truth Podcast. This is actually episode two in our series on the Enneagram. So if you haven't listened to the first episode yet, please go back and listen to it. Honestly, I've known about the Enneagram for years. I've read several books. I've been to conferences. I've learned a lot about the Enneagram. But I will have to say our conversation last week was probably one of my favorite conversations about the Enneagram because we really talked about how to use it responsibly. So be sure to go back and listen to that if you missed it. We have a special guest joining us again this week. Jen Jet Barrett is with us. Yoo-hoo! Thanks for hanging out with us, Jen. Oh, I yes, love it. Jen. I love Thank it. Thank you. So I've learned a lot already. And one of the things that we wanted to get into this week is, you know, we kind of talked about how the Enneagram can be used for our own personal growth how it can be used in relationships to help us understand each other better, which I love that. Um, And so I'm hoping that people who may not be familiar with the Enneagram or who maybe were kind of hands off with it are going, okay, I'm curious now, what is this Enneagram and how does it work? And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, There are nine Enneagram numbers and I'm just already in my head doing math and going, this is going to take a while. So we're just going to jump straight in. Okay. Okay. So one of the questions I get a lot that may come up in listening to this is, are you born your Enneagram number? Mm. Like, does it change? Will it change? That's an interesting question. I, the studies I have done, the research I've done, I do believe that we are born with a specific wiring. This plays out. Y'all see it in counseling. It plays out when you've got two siblings grew up in the same home they behave completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's because we're innately wired uniquely. And this yeah. gives some insight into mm-hmm. that. Um, but stress and trauma and grief will shape and shift us to respond to that trauma based on our Enneagram number. So we talked about this before the episode began, but you might know five different friends that are all threes and they look completely different and there can be confusion around that. But it's no different than Carrie, if I sent you into Lowe's and I said, well, you go get a red paint swatch for me. Mm-hmm. You go into Lowe's, you go to the section, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize <laughs> there were a hundred different reds I could choose from. Right. That's very similar to how, you know, we would view this because I don't know if you're operating stress right now and there's a whole component to Enneagram that stress and wings. And you'll hear that language around that. We won't get into that this episode, but just know that you're not going to identify with everything I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll know people who are very different in the same number. So just keep those things in mind. I would say before we get started, but we'll just jump in with, okay. uh, starting with ones. They're the moral yeah. perfectionist. Again, what I mentioned in the last episode was you might resonate. Something might make you feel uncomfortable when you hear me talking about this. And that most likely means that is the number you type as. Yes. But ones, they see the world through lens of right and wrong. They long to be good and ethical. They Mm. are principled, purposeful, self-controlled, but can tend to be perfectionists. What we're going to talk about today in this episode is what everyone's core fear and core desires, because that shapes our behavior. That's the motivation behind what we do. But they fear being bad, evil, inappropriate, irresponsible, 
unredeemable. They I remember my husband is a one and his mom can remember him coming home from school. And if he made a good grade on a test, his head was up. If she saw him walking down the sidewalk, his head was down. He made it a bad grade. He mm-hmm. just carried the weight of that. Yeah. And they have this deep desire for integrity, to be ethical, to be good. Um, an illustration, again, my sweet husband just gets used for all illustrations, <laughs> but we had someone come paint our house and there was a, a small area of cabinets and he had to put the blue painter's tape on all the defects for the painter to come back. And he sent me a picture of his, you know, paint tape work. And there were 50 different pieces of tape on that wall. Oh my goodness. Cause he could see every single blemish. And so that's just how they see the world and they want to reform They're they're reformers and moral perfectionists. And I think that's important to remember too, is a lot of times when we hear about perfectionists, we think, Oh, they're just nitpicky. Yes. But the motivation is they want to write wrongs. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. They want, yes. Like and that tape. Was yes, not to they, ding the guy. No, it was he it was wanted to, to write the wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that. good. So good. So type twos are known as the helper or the supportive advisor. So they are very generous. They can be demonstrative, people pleasing and possessive. So like I said, we have a, a, a best side and a worst side of us. And they have a deep desire to be loved for, for who they are, not for what they do. Hmm. And so twos, a lot of confusion can be if you take a test and you test high on twos and nines, twos and nines can both enter the room and they can sense the needs of the people in the room, Mm -hmm. but a two will insert themselves and do something about it. Hmm. Nines are afraid that their insertion might cause conflict if it doesn't keep harmony. They both might sense that that's the, you know, their behavior, but the motivation and what they do next is different. So their core fear, the two's core fear is being unloved or unwanted for who they are. Mm. They find so much value in being able to serve and help people. And but so then they're afraid that nobody will actually value them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so that's why you, you will see burnout mm. often in twos. Mm-hmm. You will see a lot of service oriented people, helpers at the cost of their own selves. This is the illustration of on the airplane. If there's a lack of oxygen, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, and then you can help people. Right. Self-care is a need for twos to be aware of. If you ask a two, what do you need? They can't tell you because the moment they address their own need, they're not serving your need. Right. And that's where they find value. Yeah. Right. So threes are the successful achievers. The Susan Gosses of the world. The Susan Gosses of the world. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) They are adaptable, excelling, driven, and can be image conscious. You know, when threes hear about themselves, it's very hard for threes because then kind of the mask is taken off of what they've projected to the world. And so they start to see behind the curtain. You know, people can see behind the curtain and that's uncomfortable for them. They have a deep fear of being worthless, a failure, incapable, inefficient, exposed. They're really good at being chameleons. They can adapt. And that's actually a strength for them. They can Mm -hmm. adapt to any situation. But oftentimes, after years and years of adapting to every situation, they lose the awareness of who they are internally, what their core desire. I, I taught a class one time. And this woman was almost moved to tears as a three because she realized in this moment, I've never known 
what I've wanted in life. I've always done what people expected of me so Mm. that I made them happy. Mm. And so there's sometimes an identity struggle with threes when they start understanding this. Like, I don't really know who I am because I projected a mask to the world. So that reminds me a lot of an episode we did a few weeks ago on being a people pleaser. And you had disclosed growing up. Growing up, I was definitely a people pleaser. You had this pressure on you to be a people Mm -hmm. pleaser, which really aligns with what you're saying about the Enneagram three. And, and this is why Jen, the Enneagram meant the world to me once I learned it, because I took the path of differentiation, my identity in Christ and growth without Jesus, I would be that Mm -hmm. unhealthy three and praise God because of Jesus, that identity in Christ, you have to know who you are Mm -hmm. or you'll be very unhealthy, mm. spot on the mask, you know, because of the people pleaser. Yeah. Yeah. And that that can go. We're not talking about it today, but that can lean into that, too. Also, mm-hmm. people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the growth, which we always want to be on this path of growth, we're going to repeat what we said last week. But yeah. that growth path, that identity in Christ has to be first. Mm. So you can always be on that path of growth. Yes. And I want to point out in the book, The Road Back to You by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile, they unpack another layer of this is is the Enneagram is going to unpack for you childhood messages that you were told as a kid, whether conscious or unconscious, that started to shape behavior that carries on into adulthood. So I would love just for an example, Susan, when you started learning Enneagram, Can you give an example of how it led to growth specifically because you understood it and you were able to connect the dots? Can you just give an example? Yes. I immediately, when I read the book, my number was chosen for me when I read the book based on I was raised on performance-based love. You were praised and loved and got attention for what you did. What I did, not who I was. Hmm. And so you kept in order to feel loved, which we all, we all are designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we all have a longing to be loved and seen and known mm-hmm. and valued. Exactly. And so when we see something working, I keep, keep doing, doing it. it, keep doing it. Yeah. I keep doing it. And then so. as an adult, that mm-hmm. coping mechanism turns right. into an unhealthy habit. Exactly. So I had to, and praise God, God. <laughs> for recognizing that, no, 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 I love you for who you are, Susan. Mm. Oh, and so I can't get enough of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, yeah because he doesn't require he doesn't you require to nothing, perform nothing, in order nothing to, to get to his prove. approval. Nothing to prove. Nothing to prove. And this is where, at every turn, the gospel has an answer. The gospel. Yeah. For healing, yes. for sanctification, for godliness. The yes. gospel has the answer. Jesus yes. does not need you to perform. No, mm. no. No. And so you can be free from striving. Yeah. Yeah. So type fours, they are our romantic individualists. They um, are expressive, can be dramatic, can be self-absorbed and temperamental. They're very passionate. They're very connected to emotions and feelings. They love the idea of like restoration and redemption. They see mm-hmm. the beauty in the world. But their core fear is being emotionally cut off, being abandoned, life being mundane and boring. And mm-hmm. they literally have this deep desire to see the beauty and dynamic elements in the world. And so even a simple trip to the grocery store can be boring. 
to a to a four because it's not uh, more exciting. They fear being inadequate and ordinary. And their core desire is to find significance and unique significance in who they are as themselves. One of their strongholds is envy because they believe this lie that other people have what they're missing. And mm. if they had what those people have, then they would be fulfilled. They would be happy and they would be complete. And so envy is a stronghold for fours that can definitely hold them back. And when life gets stressful and heavy for them, they can turn inward and withdraw and go into almost a state of depression and melancholy. Yeah. And I want to, I want to speak to this. I again, taught at a class one time and I remember I got to a four talking about a four and I heard someone in the corner say, Oh, so-and-so must be a four. And I said, you know what? I, I really in- encourage you, challenge you. You know, we talked about this in the last episode, not to type other people. I was like, do you know for sure they're a four? And they said, no, they just, they seem really depressed. Mm. And I said, okay, we need to be careful about attaching characteristics to people. I said, for all you know, they're, they're any number and walking through depression yeah. and anxiety. It can, it's not, depression isn't a respecter of numbers, right? you know? And so I think we need to be careful how we project, yeah. you know, these things onto people for sure. Fives That's are me. carries in the Carries. world. Yes. Carries. I'm going to let you speak to this. They are uh-huh. the investigative thinkers. Um, they're very perceptive, very innovative, um, but they can come across secretive and isolated. Their core fear is feeling incompetent, being ignorant, invaded upon. Imagine mm. uh, the fives in the world are walking around with about a 25% battery pack. They're always operating yes. at 25%. And so um, even a party... The world is exhausting. The world is exhausting. And so even even a social event, you know, can be hard. Maybe they have the capacity to show up, but it's hard to like stay for an extended amount of time because right. they, they operate on limited energy and and resources. Their core desire is to be capable and competent. Carrie, what would you want people to know about you as a five? Uh, That's a good question. I like that you brought up the battery thing. And that's something that I've really struggled with since learning about the Enneagram because it I feel like I start the day with my battery at 25%. Mm-hmm. And so everything is draining and I have to recharge to survive the day. And that feels very incompetent, which mm-hmm. is my biggest mm-hmm. fear, you know? And so I think, you know, just being able to understand if I say, hey, I just need a break or I'm going to go to my room for a little bit. That's not because I don't want to be with you. I love people. Mm-hmm. But I genuinely have to recharge. And, and I as have your to take friend, care of myself. This is what we talked about, I yeah. think, last episode. As your friend, knowing that about you, I'm not going to be easily offended if you need a break. Absolutely. Exactly. And you know what we're going to do when we go to a party together? We're just going to take separate cars. Yeah. And you're going to feel free oh, to leave whenever you need to. And I'll stay as a seven till I'm the last person. You'll be the last person. But we can up. understand about exactly. that about each other. Yes. And what's great is like uh, my best friend is a four and I'm a five. So we're hilarious together. But and I tend to isolate and just kind of be in my own little world. And she'll text me often. And she'll be like, Hey, are you good alone? Or are you scary alone? Okay. And I'm like, Oh, I'm scary alone. And she's like, okay, we need to get together. And so she checks on me. She knows that alone is good for me. 
but there can be a battle loan. <laughs> it's a battle loan and everything. And so that's a way that I feel very understood that's by awesome. someone in my life. That's awesome. And when we meet for mentor meant mm-hmm. anything, she comes to my house. I have chocolate. Yes. And the sofa and pillows. <laughs> and she makes it comfortable just, and welcoming. That's awesome. And it's quiet. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's the understanding for her, of each other. For yes. her environment. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. Also, can I, one other yeah. thing, because Enneagram Fives love information. I always tell my husband this. If you're relaying information to me, I would prefer you do it as if we're about to intake on a heist in Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> That's the level of detail I want. Do you need like whiteboards? Yes. Flowcharts? Yes. This is amazing. And so when my husband, when I ask my husband or he comes home and he's like, oh, today was horrible. I'm like, tell me about it. He goes, oh, I just had a bad meeting. And I'm like, I need you to Ocean's Eleven uh-huh. me on oh this. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And he's like, he knows what okay. that means. Yeah. And then he'll go into, okay, so we met in this room and this person was late and there was coffee, but no tea and the bagels were stale. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. This is my information that I want. Yeah. I love that. So Ocean's Eleven, your five friends. Ocean's Eleven, your five friends. Note to self. <laughs> Okay, our sixes, type six, they are our loyal guardians, the loyalists. They are engaging and responsible, but can also be anxious and suspicious. So they have a fear of uncertainty, a lack of security. They need to know that they are safe. Not all sixes do this, but some sixes consider worst case scenario a lot. They don't want to feel helpless. They don't want to feel physically abandoned or unsafe. So ones, I'm going to point this difference out between ones and sixes. Ones have an inner critic. They both have voices like playing in their, mm-hmm. in their heads. Ones have one inner critic. That's just a constant tape playing all the time. That's criticizing themselves. Mm. Sixes have an inner committee. So it's like a group of people in a boardroom that are just like pros and cons, you know, worst case scenario options, you know, which way could this go? And I tell one of my six friends, I check in on her. I was like, are you in the boardroom? Mm-hmm. Are there a bunch? Her name's Carrie. We know Carrie. And I was like, are there a bunch of top knots in the, in the boardroom? And if she says, yes, there are, it's like, you need to dismiss them all and ask Jesus to stay. Mm-hmm. And that's just a visual. And she's like, yeah, okay. I can visually see how I need to dismiss all the other voices and allow Jesus to stay yeah. because allow him to be the loudest voice. Sixes, because they're contemplating all these worst case scenarios, they have a hard time trusting themselves mm-hmm. and their own decision. Their core desire is again to have security, support, and guidance. They just want to be safe in in that way. Mm-hmm. Our sevens are the entertaining optimists. That's why we have Jen here. I am to Jen optimistically entertain us. I am a seven. So <laughs> I uh, sevens are spontaneous, versatile, can be acquisitive, and very scattered. I struggle to keep my focus a lot. I've got a million ideas, my hands in a million things. We also fear being bored, trapped in emotional pain. They say that sevens have one range of emotions and it's just in the joy range. Hmm. So health for a seven, where it looks like growth for a seven is a seven who can experience all range of emotions from Hmm. joy to sadness, can understand grief and hold space for grief. I say that sevens invented the acronym FOMO. They always fear of missing out. They want to be doing the the best thing they can be doing. So they assess all their options and try to make sure they're choosing the best one. Their core desire is to be fully satisfied and content. So they're like a, imagine a bucket with a bunch of holes and you keep filling it with water and water keeps pouring out the side. They have Mm -hmm. a 
insatiable appetite for experience and fullness and joy. And so sometimes it can appear as though we are not content. And so fighting for gratitude and simplicity in the Lord, like we have all that we need, savor today, live in the moment, do not fear or worry about the future. Do not be discontent. Like those are some of the the passages in scripture and growth that sevens can lean into. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, what would you like people to know about sevens? Sevens are typically seen as the life of the party, Mm -hmm. but I would say I would love for people to know that I'm a deep well, like Mm -hmm. I would much rather sit in the corner And this is probably also growth in my life. I don't need to be the life of the party anymore and keep everyone happy. A lot of sevens will say like, I'm a deep well, and I have deep knowledge, wisdom to share with the world. And Mm. I think oftentimes we're put in a, in a bucket of, oh, they're just the life of the party. They're the fun ones. Call them Mm. if you want to, you know, go out or have fun or, you know, celebrate something. So I would say there's more there. There's more there. There's more to a seven Mm -hmm. for sure. Our type eights are the protective challengers. So they are self-confident, decisive, willful, but can come across confrontational. With eights, they tell it like it is. When others are ready, aim, fire, they're just fire. They're going to, there's not like a ramp up, whether it's confrontation or speaking truth or honesty. Their core fear, though, is being controlled, powerless, weak, and vulnerable. Mm. So this is why you might see an eight have a really strong, stoic exterior because that's their core fear. So they're going to, they're going to come across really strong. Imagine, imagine a snowplow, which is hard in the South, but if you're up in the North, you know that snowplows are so helpful in the winter times to clear the snow out of your driveway, sidewalks, and streets. But if a snowplow is misused, it will plow over people mm-hmm. and become hurtful. And so that's an eight where an eight needs to be self-controlled, fruit of the spirit. This is where an eight can cling to and learn the idea of self-control. Um, their deep core desire is to protect themselves because they fear being betrayed. Mm-hmm. Eights a lot of times only have a handful, maybe five or 10 close friends because that is their fear is being betrayed. So they don't have a ton of friends in their life. I want to point this out that oftentimes if you are an eight female, you can oftentimes be misunderstood. If you've got a male eight CEO and a male a female eight, you know, this eight CEO male, strong personality is going to be highly respected. Yes. But in our admired. Yes. Yeah. But oftentimes in our culture, a strong female eight Mm -hmm. is going to be seen as too aggressive, too ambitious, too strong. Mm -hmm. These two words, you know, two before these words. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an unfortunate thing that we've all seen um, Mm -hmm. in that personality type within eights for sure. It must be hard. I'm thinking if you're an eight female culturally, that would be one of the harder Enneagram numbers to be. So yeah, for sure. And so last but not least ever is our nines, the peaceful mediators. Susan and I are both married to nines. Okay. We like them. You can speak to this. (laughs) Love, love. Very diplomatic. Very, they can see all sides to things. They are receptive, agreeable, but at times can be complacent. Um, this is this is driven, honestly, by their core fear, which is conflict, feeling separate from people, an unharmonious environment. They don't that makes them feel very uncomfortable. So they want everything and everyone to be at peace. They also fear being overlooked. 
And so oftentimes they will not insert their voice into situations, meetings. If you've got a nine in your life and you're on a team, I would encourage you to call out the nines in your in your life and, and, and point blank say, I would love your, your thoughts on that. I'd love your opinion on that. I'd love your voice on that because they're going to have a hard time inserting it for fear. It's going to cause conflict. Um, so their, their core desires to have inner stability and peace of mind. One of their strongholds they're in, if you really get into Enneagram, um, there are three different triads there. Nines are in the anger triad, but their anger looks more like taking a beach ball and trying to stuff it underneath the water. They keep trying to stuff, stuff, stuff. And then one day it just kind of can like pop out of the water, mm-hmm. but they can see the world through everyone's lens. Talk, mm-hmm. We talked about under living in yeah. an understanding way. They have a beautiful ability to do that. What would y'all say about your nine spouses? Now, Steve is because of life experience, I would say same with me with spiritual growth. He's a leader actually. And so he does speak. So I want to, I'm glad you said this because I, I, when I meet with teams, Mm -hmm. I will meet so many leader nines Mm -hmm. who will tell me, I don't feel like a leader. Hmm. When I, and actually say, when I read these things about a nine, that doesn't look like a leader to me. And I'm like, oh, oh, friend, Mm -hmm. that is actually what the world needs through Mm -hmm. leadership Mm -hmm. is this servant leadership, seeing each other in an understanding way, knowing that your voice matters, the work of an understanding that your voice matters. And so, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a great leader. And so he doesn't speak until uh, that that's what I hear about him a lot. You know, he doesn't Slow have knee jerk. Yeah, knee, that's so does good. Not have knee jerk rea- so reactions. Good. Just like you read, he can hear all voices mm-hmm. in the room before he, he responds. Speaks. That's mm-hmm. so good. But but handles things when he needs to. So in that regard, do I feel like at times he's been overlooked? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And does that have something to do with me knowing the enneagram like I do? Probably. Yeah. Right. Because, um, you know, my grandmother used to say a phrase, the squeaky wheel gets old. Yes. yes. And I do think that comes into play. Right. Uh, yes. You know, practically speaking, uh-huh. sometimes. Because so the nines does, are never very the, squeaky. The nines are not going to squeak. Right. Yeah. Right. The nines are not going to go, hey, mm-hmm. yeah. like that. They're not going to do that. They wait. They're patient. Mm-hmm. They do they get overlooked sometimes? Pro- probably. Yeah. But they just, you know, Steve is going to be steady as you go, mm-hmm. steady as you go. And they're not going to squeak. Mm-hmm. Um, but excellent leader serves well. Servant leader is a great title for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. What about your yeah. husband? Yeah. I think Joe is often overlooked and it's because he sees everyone else's perspective. Mm. And so like, even when he leads something, he'll give credit to everyone Mm. else on the team, but himself Mm -hmm. because he genuinely cares about people. And I admire that in him, but also I'm like, I wish the world would see Mm -hmm. what he's doing there. But I think for me, one of the things that I love most about being in a relationship with a nine is because I tend to knee jerk things. Mm. I tend to have quick responses and, and everything. And so being able to go to him and say, I don't understand why this person would do this. And then he's like, well, I can understand, you know, why they might do this. Have you considered this? And he presents it in a gentle way and, Mm -hmm. you know, and everything. And so it's helped me to be more understanding of people just by asking him, Hey, what is your insight on this? What do you think they might be thinking? And 
he really always takes into consideration when making a decision, he is going to take into consideration how is this going to affect every single person awesome. involved? And how can we do this in a way that the most people win? That's awesome. You know, and he comes up with the most creative ways mm-hmm. of solving problems mm-hmm. because he's seeing every single angle that's awesome. in it. And I, I think that's pretty cool. And that is the hope of Enneagram. Yeah. And another thing that I just love, you can tell we love nines. <laughs> uh, but another thing that helps me, like Carrie was saying, because we're obviously not nines. But what helps me is Steve, because of his position in leadership, he gets not so pleasant emails yes. uh, at times. And I'll say, what on earth? I'll say, how are you going to handle that? And he says, I will read it. And if there's anything that needs to be addressed or there's any truth to that, I will address it. If not, you know, yes. delete it. He said, I don't read how it's written yeah you know right. i don't read how Filter like doesn't respond of, doesn't yeah. respond to your point mm-hmm. doesn't respond yeah yeah that way just if there's truth to it right it's addressed yeah but not but how then he can maybe written. even see the perspective not, of the person yes, who wrote yes. it It'd be like yes obviously they were upset and how can we unpack yes unpacks that yeah i wanted to speak to kind of closing these numbers what growth the evidence of growth looks like in our mm-hmm. lives when we do the work of growth. And as you, if you choose to dig into Enneagram, you will learn the paths that they talk about, like how to grow. But as we grow in maturity, as we are sanctified, as we are walking in more holiness and godliness, the hope would be that I can see less of the default characteristics of your number, that I can mm-hmm. see less of the ways you are by default to five or default to three or default to seven. The example was, you know, I don't need to be like the life of the party. So I'm a lot more calmer. (laughs) And I I joke, I'm like, I'm just not as fun anymore. But it really is just a, a calmness over all of us in the ways that we react, respond, feel, Mm -hmm. lean into people, speak to people, react to things. And so I think as we see a calmness come over us all, we'll see less of the typical characteristics of our number. And it it really is an evidence of healing and growth. And I would love to read this passage and then just walk through. Marilyn Vansell has written a book called Self to Lose, Self to Find, and it's a beautiful biblical approach to Enneagram. And she talks about the different ways each number is a reflection of God. And I believe that, you know, this is Ephesians 4.10 reads, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Mm -hmm. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow Mm -hmm. so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And I just believe that together in community, if we innately are born with a different number, that together in community, we reflect the wholeness of God. Mm. And that's why community is such a beautiful thing. And, and my hope is that in a culture that right now is so divisive, there's so many ways we can choose to not live in an understanding way. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to read through these reflections. But ones reflect the goodness and rightness of God. Twos reflect His love and care. Threes reflect His hope and radiance. Fours reflect his creativity and depth. Fives reflect the wisdom and truth of God. Sixes reflect his faithfulness and courage. 
sevens his joy and abundance, eights his power and protection, and nines reflect his peace and oneness. Mm. I love that. I'm so glad that we're ending with that because I think that that's just the hope that each and every one of us have a role to play in the kingdom of God. And I think a lot of times we can be jealous of each other's Mm -hmm. giftings and strengths and to realize that God made me uniquely the way that I am um, and that who I am is a reflection of part of who he is. And so I love that. So every week we try to end with a tangible takeaway. And this week is going to be a little bit different because I feel like instead of a tangible takeaway, I would love to leave our listeners with some resources. Okay. So you mentioned the book, Self to Lose, Self to Find. Some of Susan's and I's favorite book is The Road Back to You and The Path Between Us. The Road Back to You is all about the Enneagram and self-discovery. The Path Between Us is an Enneagram journey to healthy relationships. Jen, I know that you had talked about testing. Like you can go online and you can take a test. What are your favorite Enneagram places to test? Yeah, so there is a test called the Ready. It's R-H-E-T-I. It's about $12. I think it's about 144 questions. It's a great test to help you narrow down some numbers. Also, the website, Your Enneagram Coach, Beth McCord, uh, has a an assessment on her website. And she she is the one that does definitely a, a biblical approach to Enneagram mm-hmm. along with Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile. So I would say those are two good resources. All right. So if the last two weeks have piqued your interest in the Enneagram and maybe you're a little bit open to it than you were before, those are some places that you can start to learn a little bit more. We obviously just hit the highlights. Mm. these last couple of weeks. So it's definitely fun to dig into. And of course you connect with Jen. What's the best way for people to connect with you? On Enneagram at Jen underscore jet. It's J-E-N-N underscore J-E-T-T. Or if you want to hear more about Camp Well or what we're doing over at the Well Summit, it's thewellsummit.com. All right. Thank you for Thank sharing you, your wisdom Jen. with us. We have loved having you on the Tangible Truth Podcast. So loved being here. Thanks for listening to the Tangible Truth Podcast, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.